Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening his word. All right, amen. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor and I have the privilege of being on the preaching team. Super grateful that you're here with us this morning. Uh, we're in Daniel chapter two, so we're in a Daniel series uh, titled Faithful Exile. And so uh, that may be hard for you to find. That's in the Old Testament. Uh, if you're using the Bible and see back in front of you, it's on page 737. Even I was turning to study it. Uh, it took me a while to find it. So if it takes you a while, it's okay. You're in good company. I don't know if it's a good company. That's where I was at. It's a tough book to find in Scripture. We have a few more announcements uh, before we jump into the text. Uh, one, Caleb Cortez. We're so grateful that he's joining our team. Uh, he is going to lead on Saturday evenings here at the Door Church in Louisville. And uh, last night did an incredible job. This is part of our decade of development. He's a young man who graduated from DBU. He led there. He's also in a worship intensive. Uh, man, he's awesome. He, he loves the Lord. Um, he leads extremely well. So if you're on Saturday, if you come, if you can't come on Sunday, if you just want to come on Saturday, you can come here. Um, grateful for his uh, service, and he'll be here uh, at least till May because that's when he graduates. And then uh, we just see this opportunity um, to mutually uh, bless one another. And so we're grateful to have him on our team for this time. Another announcement is uh, we have our TC Kids Town Hall next week here. Uh, right after the second gathering, uh, that is uh, to, if you have kids and uh, TC kids, or if you're volunteering, or if you'd like to volunteer, this is a town hall, uh, like I said, next Sunday. We, we need more kids volunteers. We had to turn, I think, a couple families away two, two Sundays ago. So most we've had in our gatherings in a while. And um, unfortunately, we couldn't gospel the kids because we didn't have enough people uh, to volunteer. And so Jesus says, go make disciples. It's one of the easiest ways <laughs> that you can share Christ uh, with another. I mean, these are little kids. And if you have, I mean, I know a lot of us have kids. Not everyone does. Uh, they can be hard, but man, other kids are easier, right? Because they're not yours. You look at them, you have more compassion and kindness. You get to know their name, you go on their personalities. Uh, man, if you have the time, and I'm going to say this, you do have the time. It's a worthy investment, and it may not be something that you'll ever see fruit from. But we trust God with that faithful, faithful investment that he's going to do something in their life. So would you consider coming uh, next Sunday so we can gospel the kids that, that God brings to, to the Door Church? Uh, the last thing is gospel in life uh, starts, I believe, uh, January 28th. Uh, the, the great Jerry Sims is leading it. Uh, you should go to it just because of that. But it is, if you're looking for something to grow in your faith, maturity, like I, I've just been a little bit stagnant. I couldn't encourage this class more. If I could be in two spots, I, I, would, I would be there because I think it's that, that worth it uh, because what it is going to do is going to show you how all of one's life really belongs to the Lord, all of it, and how as you walk with the Lord, there's great peace and joy in your everyday ordinary, just walking with Jesus. And so uh, it's a great opportunity for you to mature in your faith. It'd be a worthy investment, uh, which is, I think, six weeks. So... Go to thedoorchurch.net, sign up, and um, man, you'll be blessed. All right, so we'll jump into the text. We're in this sermon series, uh, Faithful Exile. Daniel uh, 2 has really encouraged me. I hope it encourages you. Uh, so the first few uh, chapters of Daniel, 
uh, is story form, story form. So there's just, it's, it's an interesting story. And what's interesting about Daniel, he's very admirable. Daniel and his friends, so you, you know, Daniel and the lion's den. If you don't, everyone knows that story, not everyone, but most. He sleeps with dying, uh, uh, lions. I mean, we'll find out that King Nebuchadnezzar can't sleep uh, with a troubled dream. Daniel walks over the Lord, he sleeps with the lions. That's, that's where he's at in life. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego goes through the, the fiery furnace. I mean, there's like, it's inspirational and it's easily, it's so easy to get caught up. Um, we should admire Daniel, but I, I'm gonna be like Daniel. I'm just gonna encourage you not to go there. Uh, the goal is not necessarily to be like Daniel, although that would be sweet. The goal is to believe like Daniel. What made Daniel so special was not his behavior, although I think we should mimic it, it was his belief in who God is. The reason why he was a faithful exile, because he understood the faithfulness of God. What made him special was God, not him. And this is what this really, uh, I think, text is about, the book's about. I don't know if we really understand the context, and I'm gonna just, uh, Darren did a great job last week. I just want just to catch us up. Judah has been ripped from their home. So uh, and Israel has been ripped from their home by King Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked, evil king. He is now a young teenage boy in, in, in a country that is not his own. He's now a slave. Uh, and this is where we pick up in the book. And I just, I don't know if we can put ourselves in that context. Be you be ripped from your home as a young man training you new language, new, they're giving you a new name, telling you just to assimilate you, to try to, to get you to forget your God. And what's so interesting, there's a battle here of what you should do in exile. It's, sim- it's very similar to that. Like we live in a, a pluralistic country, a pluralistic world, a confusing world, a lot of different uh, ideologies, thought processes, religions, politics, lots of things you could be confused about, right? And so like, how do we walk in this world? And so there's one line of thought in, in Daniel's time is like, you need to separate. You need to get away from Babylon, although they were captives of Babylon, but it's like to live separate lives from, from where they're at. And that's not what God has them do. And actually Jeremiah, it says to seek the welfare of the city. So it's actually to understand you belong to God, but you're actually be useful where God takes you. And God has you in this moment, in us, in this moment, in our lives, in our country, to be faithful exile, to be a testimony. I mean, we're going to seek the welfare of where God has us in our everyday ordinary, ordinary but uh, continually trust in God. So it's not a retreatism. It's not a fully embrace the whole culture, but it's like we're going to be faithful exiles. And Daniel shows us how to do this really well. So we want to uh, believe like Daniel. We want to look to Daniel to, to see how he lived as a faithful exile. Now, we pick up uh, in, in Daniel chapter 2, and King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, like I said, he's the king, he, he has a dream. Here, so this first bit uh, of really uh, 1 through 17, I'm going to read, if, if you don't know, I've told you before, if you've come here, I'm dyslexic, so you're in for a treat. We're just going to wrestle through it together, and, and I've been praying it goes well. Um, but the first, really, 16 verses, we're going to look at uh, the problem. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very big problem. So let's look uh, verse 1. In the second year of the reign of, king, or reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, his spirit was troubled, and his slept or sleep left him. That's a fun, a fun way to say King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm a, I, may, I may call him King, king Nebi because that's easier for me. He was having bad dreams or dreams that troubled him. 
And because he was thinking about these dreams, what he, it says he, he couldn't sleep. Uh, I've, I've been there for, before. I have dreams. Uh, this dream, uh, he felt meant something, and so he was confused about it. He pondered on it, and it, his sleep left him. And now, what I want to mention here is I think, he has a, he, I think we all have reasons uh, to, be, to be frightened by our dreams. And really what he's concerned about, we find out, he's frightened about his future. If he thinks about his future, which he thinks he's, is being revealed in his dreams, he has no sleep. He's troubled. Now, um, the reason why I think he's troubled, and we, hear me, we should be troubled if we actually are thinking. King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of the greatest country in the entire world. He's a conquering king. He's at the pinnacle of his reign. His life and, his, and what he is ruling and reigning can't get better in his, in his own, in his own like, uh, ability. So he's at like the climax or the pinnacle of his life. So his future is what? It's bleak. It's only downhill from here to some degree. And this dream reminds him of his temporalness, that his reign is going to be lost to some degree, and it troubles him to no end. And what usually keeps us up in life is our future. What's going to happen in our future? Which is a scary proposition. Why? Because it's all, um, I would say, speculation. We don't know. And it's super scary. And we do know, I'm not trying to be just morbid, but every, we know how this ends, right? Every, everyone ends up passing away. So there's some degree of trouble in, in our lives. Now, uh, I'm going to keep moving here. Verse 2. The king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. So he's going to go get the people, uh, the wise men, the magicians, the uh, fortune tellers of the day. Like, come tell me what this dream is. I'm, I want to sleep. I'm exhausted. I, I don't know. So they, they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream. And my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Now what's so great is these people are scared to death of him. He's a tyrant. He is an irrational man. We find out more about that just here in a second. And it's like, hey, hey, king, we're for you, O live forever. Which actually he longs for, we all long for, which is already a lie because he's not going to live forever. But that's certainly saying their allegiance to him. And he says, tell your servants the dream. This is a reasonable request. You want me to give you interpretation of a dream? A fortune teller is like, tell me more about what you're thinking about. And uh, this is what happens. And we will show you the interpretation. Verse 5, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm, meaning not changing. If you do not make known to me the dream, not just the interpretation, you have to tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb. Your houses shall be laid in ruins. That's a horrible proposition. Not only do you got to give me interpre uh, uh, the, the, the interpretation, you got to tell me what my dream actually was. Verse six, but if you show, but if you show me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream. Tell me the dream and its interpretation. Verse seven, they answered a second time and said, let the king, please tell, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show, show you its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you're trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is uh, but one sentence for you. you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me uh, till the time uh, change, or until the time change. 
times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand for, uh, for, no, uh, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or chanter or Chaldean. He's saying there's no one that can do that. Verse 11, the thing that the king has asked is difficult to not only interpret the dream, but to actually tell him what the dream was. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now, so what's interesting that this is a very pluralistic nation. They're not saying one God, but they get it right. Only, only God, only God, a God could tell you not only what the interpretation is, but also uh, what the dream was. And furthermore, it says, God is not with man. We cannot know God in this way. That's what they're saying. So the future that you want to know, I, I, you know, it comes from the dream. Uh, only God knows that and God cannot be known. That's what they say, which is fair, a fair degree of truth. Apart as we'll get to the incarnation, God became man and dwelt among us so we can know him, which is uh, the beauty of really this prophetic word that we can't know God unless God reveals himself to us. We'll get there later. Verse 12, because of this king was, because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So Daniel is a part of this, uh, this wise men and he hears what's going on. And then Daniel replied with prudence and dis uh, discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? So he's asking, Daniel's like, what's going on here? And then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation of the king. Daniel hears about the problem. He's a part of the people gonna be, be killed. He says, man, I'll, I'll give you the drink. Now, if we're going to be faithful exiles, if we're going to be faithful exiles, we got to look to what Daniel does in these moments of trial. Can we say this is a problem? If someone comes to you, is like, hey, I want you to tell me my dream. Not only tell me the interpretation, but tell me the dream. If you don't, I'm going to kill you. Like everyone, be like, that's, a, that's a problem. So right, whatever's going on in your life, that would match the intensity and severity of the issue or trial going on in your life. I just want to show you the magnitude because I know everyone in here is struggling on some degree, whether it's health, wealth, kids, confusion, pro like you are, because you are human, <laughs> in a fallen world are struggling with great, great problems. And I want us to figure out how does Daniel deal with such a trial, such a problem? The first thing we're gonna see um, is verse 17. It says, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his commanders, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that, so that Daniel and his companions might be destroyed with the rest of the, uh, the wise men of Babylon. So the first point I want to make, when you have an issue in your life that's so overwhelming, just to be clear, God has put this, this issue into Daniel's life. We know this from, from Daniel chapter one, because uh, Israel did not obey God, God sent them to Babylon. So like, how'd they get here? God, it's not like God was like, oh no, how'd they get there? God had a plan to send them into this exile, to give them this trial. So God is in charge of exile. He's in charge of our lives. He's in charge of every struggle and trial and problem going on in, in your life. Now, 
I say that because the first thing he does, he says, what are we going to do? I'm going to look, I'm going to look to God who's in heaven. If we're going to deal well and be a faithful exile, we're going to have to change our perspective. We're going to have to change our perspective to look at our problem as the biggest problem in our life, but look to, to God who's actually above our problem, in control of our problem. It says in scripture, the beginning of wisdom, what? Is fear of the Lord. The beginning of a wise disposition is what? To start to see who God is, and he's a God who is in heaven. That's what it says. That means that we should look to a vantage point that's greater than ours. I'm, I'm, Daniel doesn't know the dream. He doesn't know the interpretation of the dream, but who does know the dream? Who knows the interpretation of the dream? God does. Here, here's my, my main point. God, God sits high and sees all. God sits high and sees all. So whatever is going on in your life, you think it's overwhelming. I know you do because I feel that way. I feel like there's no hope. There's nothing I can do. And I'd say it is overwhelming. There's nothing you can do, but God can. And he sees and he will get to, he cares. One of my favorite Mr. Rogers quote, and you heard that right, Mr. Rogers quote, anything that is human, anything that's human is mentionable. Whatever is going on in your life, you should mention it to God. That's what I'm gonna tell you. We think that something is so unique to us that we can't even utter it. I've been there. Like no one could ever believe what's going on in my life. That is a life from the pit of hell. Like he, Daniel says, hey, God, this is what's going on. Whatever is mentionable, listen, is manageable. Why? Because God's not surprised by what's going on in your life. Can you mention it to God? Because he sees all, he knows all. Um, what I'd say is, it certainly may be surprising to, to you, but it's not surprising to him. We gotta get our, our perspective off of our situation unto God who is in heaven, who, who, who creates, who sustains, who sees all. He, he's above all. Now, it's so good here. Not only does it say here that, we, that uh, Daniel seeks God who is in heaven, he describes that the seeking is, man, this is prayer. We're going to seek mercy from God who is in heaven. This is what's so interesting is when something is going in your life, and I know it is right now, speak to God about it. He sees all, he knows all, he's not surprised by it. Not, we should not only have a perspective change, we should be prayerful. Faithful exiles are prayerful people. So many people think, oh yes, prayer is important. I'm gonna tell you, no, prayer is not just important, it's essential. It's essential. Actually, D. Dukes, a theologian, says it this way, there are things that won't happen without prayer. It's essential. We seek a God who's in heaven. We pray to him, why? Because he is a God who loves to help. Prayer is a form of holy protest. I'm not okay with dying. I'm not okay with the situation at hand. God, I need your help. This is what it says in 2 Chronicles 16, verse nine. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God's in heaven looking down. What does it say? Looking to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. Those whose heart, who's committed to him is what it says in the NIV. Where are you looking, he's saying. I'm looking for people that are looking to me and I'll be that strong support. Not only do, do, does he pray because it's essential, but I want you to hear it. He prays because God is merciful. Not only does God sit high, he sees low and he's merciful. He helps those that look to him merciful. God, God cares. God cares about Daniel. God cares about his friends. God cares about whatever's going on in your life. 
He wants you to seek him in it. Have you brought it to him? He is merciful, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's forgiving. God gives you what you do not deserve. This is in God's character, he's generous. First Peter chapter five, verse six and seven says, humble yourselves. You are not God, he sits high, he sees low. And he says, you are not God, I am God. Humble yourself under what? My mighty hands so at the proper time I may exalt you, casting all your anxieties. So we got a lot of troubles. And God knows them and he cares. And he wants you to talk to him about it. Cast all, give them, give, give your anxieties, your woes, your, your scary things to God. Mention to God, cast it onto him because what he cares for you. He cares for you. Now what's so interesting here, Martin Luther says it this way, who's also a theologian, says, talk to God, talk to God and let him worry. That's what we should do. Why? We can't change our circumstance. Talk to God, let him be the worrying. Why? Because he actually has a plan. He can do something about it. What's so interesting is King Nebuchadnezzar, king of everything, controls everything, can do whatever he wants. He has a dream, he can't sleep. You know what Daniel does? He prays, seeks mercy from a God who's in heaven, then he goes to bed. Isn't that interesting? What a, what, what, what a contrast. A guy who has nothing but has God sleeps extremely well. At the next day, he's going to die if he can't give the dream and its interpretation, but he sleeps because the reason why I say, say that in verse 19, it says the mystery was revealed to him. What? In the vision of the night. Man, talk to God, let him worry, trust that he is a God who sits high, who sees low and who is going to move. So what's so amazing is God answers his prayer. He seeks God and, and God, he answers. He reveals uh, Daniel the dream. Um, and then what I want you to see, verse 19, really 19 through 23 doesn't have to be in the text. It doesn't like, it doesn't help the story go on, but it's certainly in the text for a reason. He gets the, the, the dream and its interpretation. He doesn't move straight to 24. It's like, hey, 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 you know, everyone, I got the dream. He doesn't go to King Nebuchadnezzar. Here's the dream. What's he do? He praises God. If we're going to be faithful exiles, we're going to have to be people who praise God. Praise God. See, what's so interesting, God reveals the dream. He doesn't rush away. He starts to bless God. Faithful, ex God. faithful exiles, which Lord willing we all will be, are people that want to not just be faithful, but to worship God in spirit and truth. I'm going to, I'm going to give you some of the descriptions of the words that he says, which is incredible. Then I'm going to tell you why I think God allows trials to happen. So here, here, here we go. He says, bless the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. What he's saying right here, he's putting his, his mind on the eternality of God. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. There is no beginning to God. There's no end to God. He is forever. That's worshipful in itself. Everyone's so afraid of King Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because he's the one powerful. I'm gonna let you know something. 65 years later, we're about to find out he's not even there. Daniel is. What seems so big and mighty at the time is actually not that big and mighty. God is eternal. So whatever is scary in your life, he is greater than anything going on in your life. It says, look who God is. He, he's amazing. Furthermore, he's full of what? Wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes Kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. The thing I have down here is his omnipotence is all powerful. He changes times and seasons. He does that. He sets up kings and brings them down. He put King Nebuchadnezzar there and brings them down. How much does this preach in your life? He has you right where you want. He wants you right now. He may move you, but everyone's worried about politics and this and that. I mean, I'm not saying 
don't be involved. <laughs> but that's not our forever kingdom. It really doesn't matter that much. And don't, don't, don't throw anything at me afterwards. It doesn't matter. He, he is above it all. He, he actually, he's putting the people there who he wants there. That's what's crazy. And he's working it all for his glory and his good. He has a plan. King Nebuchadnezzar is a pond in God's hand. He's all powerful. Now, what's so crazy, it's what's cool is everything's changing your life. You may feel that. It brings you anxiousness. The good news, what Daniel's doing, he's seeing through all the change, he serves an unchangeable God. He is the constant. He is his peace. He's looking to the character and nature of God. So many times we are so anxious in our life. Why? Because we're looking right here. He's like, look to God. He's the one who's actually unchanging. Everything else will change and always will change in your life. But God is the only one who will not. He's, it says that, <clears throat> that he has all understanding and knowledge. and um, He reveals deep, hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and his light dwells with him. I think so many times in our lives we make a just complete shipwreck of our life because you don't know and you try to know. You make decisions and you're just so frantic. And, and so I'll give you an example. Like, so the idea is like we're kind of groping in the dark. Like King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know what's going on. He's groping in the dark. He has no idea what's going on. So so many times in life, that, I mean, it's like, I, 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 frankly, I don't know. You ask me, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. God does. I thank God that he, it's like darkness is light to him. So I'll give you a, a quick story how, how goofy it is trying to do things in the dark um, and on your own. I was hunting on Saturday. Our car broke down about two and a half miles away from this place we were staying. It was 20 degrees outside, so it was very, very cold. And my, I have my boys with me, and I'm in a place I've never been. And so what I start to do is like, okay, well, I got to get back to the house where there's another car and I'm trying to Apple maps. I'm like, hey, drop a pin where it is. And he's like, go past the barn. There's a fence here. And, and it is dark. I can't see. He's like, you probably need to run along the fence line. I don't want to be out there too long. And I was like, you know, I've been running, not, not bragging. I was like, maybe I can get there quicker than you. So I went and I'm running down this fence line, going this gully. And all of a sudden, man, smack straight into a fence. I mean, it was a barbed bar fence. I couldn't see it. I mean, it was right in front of my face, but it was dark. And I'm now hung up on this fence, trying to unweave myself out of it. And my whole point of the story is that God doesn't run into fences. He's not, he can see in the dark. It is as, as light as day to him. And he actually has a plan. He's omniscient. He's all knowing. That's what it's, I mean, how crazy is this? Nothing's dark to him. He knows all, sees all. He has a plan. And, and that's what, what Daniel's just worshiping about. To you, O oh God, my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. If we are going to be faithful exiles, we have to praise. We have to see, we have to see this. That what's so interesting, what, it, what I'd say is Daniel went through a huge trial. He's, he's been in a huge trial. He continues in a huge trial as we keep going. If he's faithful, what I'm going to tell you right now is what I'd say is Daniel would say is absolutely worth it. Being ripped from his home country, being possibly put to death because of a dream, as we find out, being in the lion's den, I'm going to tell you what I think he'd say it's worth it. Why? Because so many of us think the Christian life is about a destination. We think it's about a, a blessed life, whatever you think that means. What he is through this trial is walking with God. And what I'm going to tell you, he says it's worth it. He's insights to God that he would never see without this trial. And he's praising God. He's like, this is who my God is. He is strong. He is mighty. He is with me. He's eternal. See, God clarify, or trials clarify who God is. It's, a, it's about 
God revealing more of himself to you. He's, he's, he's showing you how great and good he is amidst of these trials. He's conforming you to the image of Christ. Isn't that interesting? God doesn't save you from trials. He brings you through them to show you who he is. If you don't know it, Christianity is about a relationship. He wants all of you. He wants you to see him. See, I think so many of us are like, oh, just get my life in order. Like that's never going to make you happy. Only God, it can bring you that deep joy that you're looking for. It's about relationship. So verse 24, he has the dream. He has interpretation. We'll, we'll pick up. I gotta go pretty quick. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show you the king, the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah, a man who will make known, uh, make known to the king, the interpretation. So here's, here's, we got a man who tell you the dream and the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, I just want you to know I just crushed that. Saturday, that was, that was horrible. Are, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise man, enchanters, magicians, and astrologers can show you the king, the mystery that the king had asked, but there what? There's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to uh, King, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days? Your dream and the visions of your, uh, your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, his future and how it's insecure. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you that is to be. But as for me, the mystery has been revealed to me, not because, uh, not because of any wisdom that I have. Just, I love how Daniel's always pointing back to God and his glory more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made, be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Verse 31, you, you saw, O king, and behold a great image, it's a statue. This mighty image, mighty and exceeding brightness, actually, this is what, he actually builds a statue later, stood before you and its appearance was frightening. The head of his image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its uh, middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet uh, partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut by no human hands. That's a divine hand, something different uh, from, from this world and struck the image on its feet and, and of the iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, uh, and all the gold and all together were broken to pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became great, a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So basically there's this, this big statue and then all of a sudden it was beautiful, it was huge and very magnificent looking, a small rock, a divine rock was cut, crashes into it, everything goes to dust, nothing is lasting and then this stone grows into a great mountain. That's, that's the, the dream. Here's the interpretation. This is the dream. Now we will tell the king the, its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the, the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might and the glory and in whose hand he has given, who, uh, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them. Basically saying, you are great. You are the head of the gold. King Nebuchadnezzar, you control all, see all. Uh, yet there's gonna be, a, verse 39, another kingdom inferior to you that, that, you shall, uh, that shall arise after you. And then what? Not only another kingdom, 
but a third kingdom, a bronze which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom. So there's now a fourth kingdom going down the body um, that is strong as iron because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all the things. And like iron that crushes, it breaks, uh, it shall break and crush all things. And as you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be divided. It shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it. Just as you saw iron mixed with, uh, it, with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so that the kingdom should be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will be mixed with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. Verse 44, in the days of those kings, uh, days of those kings, the God of heaven will, will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. So this, this statue represents kingdoms that will be destroyed. This no, new kingdom will never be destroyed, now shall, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring them uh, to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that the stone was cut from a, uh, from a mountain by no human hand. That's that, again, divine, divine rock, divine stone, that it broke into pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold. This kingdom will destroy and overrule all those other kingdoms. A great God had made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. I don't have the time to get into all what I think that is. The main idea is this. Whatever kingdom that you're a part of, no matter how powerful it is, is not a lasting kingdom. No matter how impressive it looks, no, no, no matter how strong it seems to be, how fortified it is, this, this, this image, this statue that represents kingdom will fade away. It will dissolve. It will be like chaff that is blown away. My last thing that we're going to have to see to be faithful exiles is to understand your position in the world. Could you imagine how scared Daniel, the wise men, all were? Right, it's like this king is, is he, it actually says he's in control of everything. I'm gonna mention again, it lasts 65 years. 65 years, and then there's a new kingdom that lasts for some years, a new kingdom. The point is no kingdom is actually lasting in your own, own. your own kingdom, whatever you think it is, is not lasting. That's the main point. We're building, we're looking for security, we're looking for hope, and that's probably why you're very unrestful. You're trying to hold on to the kingdom that you actually know you're not the king. <laughs> you, you will not last. You'll be like chaff uh, and blown away. Now, what's cool is there's a divine stone that says it's going to shatter all these things. There's a new kingdom that will long be, go on forever. What is that? What's so interesting is these dreams, this anxiousness, there's speculation. What, what, what could be? And now, now King Nebuchadnezzar knows that he's actually not the true king. His kingdom will not last. What I do love is as these wise men say, hey, you tell us to tell us the dream, the interpretations. Like, hey, you're asking something only gods could do that whose dwelling is not with flesh. That's what it says in verse 11. That's what we need. We don't need speculation because everyone has their ideas. I was even talking to a guy even this week. He's like, what do you, you know, what's really true? It's like the only thing that we really know is what revelation. God has revealed himself. God did take on flesh and blood. He wants you to know him. This is that divine stone. Like we don't have to wonder. We just celebrated Christmas, the incarnation. I want you to hear just with fresh ears Again, we're not just like speculation. Who is this king to be revealed? What is this divine stone? This is why we celebrate Christmas every single year, that God became man, he dwelt among us. John chapter one, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God did become man. He can be known. 
We should know him. He wants you to know him. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have received what? Grace upon grace. This is this king's desire. He is merciful and a gracious king. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth, what came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. I'm going to say that again. No one has ever seen God. You cannot know God, but the good news, God revealed himself to us through his son who is at his father's side. This is the hope of the story that Jesus is this, this stone, not made of human hands. And it says in scripture, it starts as a mustard tree. It would be the greatest tree in the garden that birds would find rest. The hope is that we'd find rest, that you're not the king, that he is. See, here's, here's the thing. You are either belonging, your position is either in the statue, the kingdom of this world, your own kingdom, the politics of this world, maybe it's our nation, or listen, it's in the stone. It's not either or. It's only one. See, he's a faithful exile because he knows his position belongs what? To this king, this divine stone. Where is your position? When you understand your position, there's actually power there. There's confidence there. Daniel was able to seek a God who's in heaven, ask for mercy, and take a nap. Why? Because he knows who God is. He knows where his position is. Do you know this king? Have you submitted to this king? It says this, uh, that if I had time and I don't, I mean, Jesus quotes this in Matthew. It quotes it in, in, in Psalms. He's like, I am this stone. You either reject or receive. It's that simple. This divine stone. And it says this, how do you receive in 1 John uh, chapter 1, or, or John chapter 1, uh, verse 12, but to all who did receive him. This is God's desires. Why is may notice? But all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Not to believe in your own name. And actually, when you believe in his name, he gives you a new name, which is a child, a son of God. He gave the right to become children of God. You know what you need more than anything in this world? To know your, your name. If you're in Jesus Christ, believe in the name, you, you are, you're a son of God. That's where you're at. That's incredible. You know how much confidence you walk if you believe that? That God is for me, he loves me, has a future for me. I don't know, he knows. You belong to a good loving father because of Jesus Christ. But all who did receive him, who gave, gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor will of the flesh, nor of all men, but of God. That's our hope. Do you belong to the stone by belief in Jesus alone? Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd help us be faithful exiles that we would behave like Daniel, but that comes to believing like Daniel, to see who you are, God. Help us, help us have a new perspective this morning. Maybe it's a trial circumstance that we just need to mention to you, give to you, say, God, you see, I feel overwhelmed, but you are not overwhelmed. Help us have a new perspective. Renew our minds, God. It says, don't be conformed, but we'll be transformed by the renewal of our mind, that you sit high and thank you, God, for seeing low, that you're a merciful God that we know you hear our prayers and you care, that we can give our, you our anxieties, that we can give you our worries and we can rest. God, I pray that we'd be a praiseful people no matter what's going on in our life, that we'd see your hand in everything. And we praise you for the trials and circumstances of our life because you are giving us the ability to know and walk with you more. God, I pray that we'd not be confused about our position. We belong to you, Jesus, as King, or we belong to another kingdom, it's either or. Let this be the day of salvation for some. I want to belong to the king just simply by confessing 
they're sinners and that, that, that you came for them. It says, whoever confesses the mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Help us understand our position to, to you, God, through Jesus. I ask that in his name, amen.